Uh, I don't know about you, I'm wondering what they were looking at, right? Just the face of a child all aglow in, in wonder. I wonder if they were looking at the beautiful commons here on the Lenexa campus. How many of you just enjoyed the Christmas festive look when you walked in? Yeah, it was beautiful. And the puppies? Did you see the puppies? Did you meet Riley and, and all of uh, Riley's friends? If you haven't, go see the puppies. Like, not right now, but go see the puppies. And Speedway, you have puppies too, so hello to you. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what they were uh, necessarily, these, these awesome kids were looking at. But they could have been here last week and experienced Daryl Strawberry and had a look like that. How many of you enjoyed Daryl? Yeah, wasn't that awesome? As he kind of brought our unshakable series, not the whole journey, but the series to a close, his shakable life of fame and status and celebrity and money and all of that to encountering the unshakable living God. It was just amazing. Uh, it also, I don't know how many of you, but my, my daughters had never heard of Daryl Strawberry. So we watched the 30 for 30 documentary and they were like, like from his old life to what we experienced just last week. Pretty amazing. Here's something else that's amazing, y'all. Last Sunday, as part of our unshakable journey, we experienced the largest giving moment in the history of our church. And we just wanna say thank you. Let's give it up for that. It's just amazing. So your generosity, your lean in, your willingness to go on this unshakable journey, uh, we just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. And of course, um, we just want to continue on. And if you've yet to give, no problem. And you want to, just give in the ways that you normally normally would, either uh, online, old school, all those different ways. We just want to say thank you again to you. Now, we ask the question, what is it in the eyes of those kids that we can actually learn from here today. And Jesus gives us a glimpse of it. In Luke chapter 18, he says that this is what's going on. It says, people were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to touch them or to place his hands on them. Now, when the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. They said to the parents, no, 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 no. Don't, don't bring your babies to Jesus. Why? Why would, why would they like totally push these parents and their babies away. Well, I'll tell you why. In that day and age, babies held very, very, and children, small children, held very little value. It wasn't until they could go work on the farm, about the age of, you know, 11 or so. It wasn't until they could work in the kitchen, all those things. It, it was a very utilitarian view of kids, a very unhallmarkian kind of view of children. And so they're essentially just going, don't waste Jesus' time. What are they doing in this moment? They're adulting. They are adulting. It's all about efficiency. It's all about all these kind of things, right? We gotta get Jesus from A to Z. We gotta, we've got a schedule to maintain. Don't get in the way of all these really, really important things. We're gonna take ourselves so very seriously, and Jesus is so beautifully disruptive. It says he literally calls the children to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God more than anything else, more than love, more than prayer, more than anything. He talks about that there is this, there is this realm 
there is this reign, there is this rule where forever God holds sway. It's the kingdom of God, and it interlocks with where we live in our time, space, and matter. It's not like we just have this earth and this natural thing, and it's not like we just have this supernatural thing. We have this super space, natural interlocking, and Jesus says, I want to invite you to experience the kingdom of God breaking in as it is in heaven, right here on earth, in the time, space, and matter, and how do you get it? How do you receive it? You can't manufacture it. Well, you gotta be like a little tiny tot, Jesus says. He's like, bring them to me. They hold tremendous, tremendous value. And then he says, hey, adults, y'all who take yourself so seriously, you gotta be like this little one right here. So what is it about this little one? That's the question here today. What is it about the heart of a child that we can actually receive more of the kingdom in this season? And don't you want to experience more of the kingdom breaking in at a time uh, like this as we enter into the Christmas season? Have you ever just said, I'm not going to like... I'm not gonna be so serious this year. I wanna experience the wonder of it all. I wanna just, just sit and revel in the mystery. I wanna do it differently than being so stressed out and mad at my siblings and everything else. How many of you are just like, I'd like to do it different, this Christmas thing? Hmm? Anyone? Well, here's the key. This is the key to entering into the Christmas season differently. Gotta get out of adulting. Now, I know the problem with adulting, and when Jesus says, you know, you got to be like a child, our fear is we don't want to be childish. There's a fine line between childlike and childish, right? So let's just make up a new word, kiddish. Let's get kiddish this year so as to thwart all of our adulting ways. Starting to see this, the, the adulting ways in my daughters. Our girls are ages 15, 15, and 14. I'll explain later. And uh, we're right on this like precipice. In fact, I think we're down the very slippery slope into adulting. How many of you just love the lights at Sarko Park Park here, here in Lenexa? It's just beautiful, right? And they have built a tunnel between our neighborhood and Sarko Park Park. So I had this great idea, and I pitched it to, to my family over dinner. It, the idea was, let's get some hot chocolate, let's get some candy canes, and let's go through a stroll through the trail that will go under this cool tunnel, and then bam, we're at Sarko Park Park. We don't have to drive. We don't have to do all this. And so I pitch it to my wife and my three girls. And my wife's like, oh, good night. I don't want to do that. And my youngest daughter, who carries Christmas in her heart, she goes, Dad, can't we just drive by? <laughs> and then my oldest says, Dad, I was out at the word walk, is what she said. <laughs> so we cannot learn from my teenage daughters about what Jesus is saying here. <laughs> but we can from when they were babies and little ones. Three stories I'm gonna tell you here today that uh, from being a dad and from my three little girls that, um, that I think will give us a little bit of a glimpse into how do we receive the kingdom of God. And the first one is this, kids get wonder. Kids get wonder. And wonder is kinda God's business. Look at Psalm 136, verse four. To him alone who does great wonders, his love endures forever. I love how the poet, Gerard Manley Hopkins, he puts it this way. The world is charged with the grandeur of God. Isn't that awesome? The world is charged with the grandeur of God. The question is, do you and I get it? 
do we get a sense that everything that God has created is charged with his grandeur? Babies get this. Elise and I, when we had our three little babies, uh, we went from zero to three in 14 months' time. They were all in diapers. They were all in bibs. They were all in strollers. It was crazy. I don't remember any of it. It's fun now. <laughs> and um, we knew that at the house, when they were of crawling age, we knew that when the house went quiet, there was trouble. And um, they had a particular penchant for the dog food bowl. This might sound familiar to some of you. We'd find them on occasion with ukanuba, just like, you know, just chipmunk cheeks and just coming out of them. Well, one such moment, we, um, Elise and I were in the, uh, the little family room that we had, and uh, we knew the girls were in the kitchen, and things went troubling quiet. And so I went around the corner, and I just, I don't know how to tell you the story other than to re reenact it. They're, they were, uh, this was Brianna and Mia, our two oldest, and they were on all fours, and there was a dog food bowl, and, and there was food, and then there, there, there was water. I come around the corner, and they're in striking distance. And I say, no, girls, not to the, and they sit up like this. And then they look at me, and then Brianna, who just has this engaging, like, sparkling charm, she just looks at me and smiles. Right? And then somehow she never learned how to crawl, so she had this kind of like butt scoot thing, so she would just kind of do this, and she would just kind of inch while looking at me like, <laughs> as if somehow she can distract me and play a little game of subterfuge with her charm. I'm like, Brianna, no, and she'd stop, and she'd scoot back. Well, then Mia, Mia would go. So she was kind of like, it was, they were playing tag team, good cop, bad cop on me. And pretty soon they get a little closer. You know, Brianna scooches a little closer. And then she starts to kind of like do this, right? And she's like so fascinated. But now, have, have my daughters experienced water before? Yes, but never in a dog bowl, right? <laughs> and so they're in there. And pretty soon she tries to kind of start to distract me with one hand. She's like, oh, dad, look, I have another hand. Oh, look at me. I'm dipping water. I'm like, Brianna, no. She scoots back. Mia comes in. We play this cat and mouse game. And pretty soon, she's now up just kind of on her bottom. And she's looking at me. And she's like, Dad. And then finally, she just completely immerses her hands in the water. And she steps back. And she does this like shimmy shake. You just feel the electricity going through her body as if she's Johnny Cueto on the mound. <laughs> and uh, actually, if you'll indulge me, uh, I happen to have an old school camera, and I captured this moment, much to their chagrin, <laughs> on film. Let's take a look. Brianna, 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 no playing in the dog food bowls. Brianna, 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 no, Mia, Mia, no. And girls. There's going to be none of that. Brianna, Bree, no. Brianna, Mia, no. Brianna, Bree, no. Hey. 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 You cannot wash your hands in the doggy's water bowl. Mia. Hey, girls. Right. 
<clears throat> All right. Well, thanks, thanks for indulging me on that. Um, as adults, we practice familiarity, and familiarity breeds contempt. I don't know how often you've walked through or passed a dog food bowl, but a child who gets wonder is constantly practicing unfamiliarity. And what's the unfamiliar part about a moment like that that makes you shimmy shake on your little behind? What, what, what's going on there? Like if you literally press into, let's just say the four elements that made this moment of convergence. There's air, there's water, there's your hand, and then there's the bowl. And when that all comes together, like what's behind these? Let's just break it down for a moment. Air, what do we know about air? 78% nitrogen, 21% oxygen and traces of argon and uh, 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 hydrogen and all sorts of other things. And air stacks up 400 miles up into the sky, which forms our atmosphere. And here's the thing about air. You can feel it, but you can't see it, and it can start fires. This is amazing. Air, in fact, we, we, without it, we die, right? It has to go into our lungs and out and all those things. And when you breathe, you can actually feel it on your hand. Like, try it. Anybody want to try it? It's like, wow, I can't see it, but I just felt something on my hand, a little spit, you know, a little spit and all that, but let alone. I like air is incredible. Now take water for a moment. Let's break down water. Water has 556 million water molecules per every one hydrogen ion. So H2O, right? So you take those two hydrogen ions, and they have to be tilted at 105 degrees. Not 103, not 104, not 106, but 105 to give it its essential qualities. There are 326 cubic million, 326 million cubic miles of water that covers our surface area of our Earth. Most other planets have how much water? Nil, scarce, Hardly any, and we're learning more about that, right? We have 70% of our entire, the surface area of our earth is covered with water, and without it, we die. It is vapor. It is liquid. It is also solid. Water puts out fire. It, too, is a superhero, is it not? It's incredible. Now, also about water, pure water, no taste, no smell. Did you know that? No taste, no smell. What, what are you tasting? You're tasting minerals sometimes, or chlorine, depending, you know, on what tap you're drinking from. But it's amazing. Now, the hand. Let's talk about the hand. Did you know that in one singular hand, there are 29 bones and joints? 29. There are 123 ligaments. There's 34 muscles in your hand and 48 nerves. And here's the kicker. 3,000 sensory receptors in your hand alone, and a fourth of your brain is being leveraged to communicate with your hand. It's incredible. Like with my brain, I can say, move hand, and woo, look at that, just, it just happened. It's amazing. Move brain, it's like move hand, and it, it does it like a fourth of my brain power is operating these two things. Now take the bowl. The bowl is what gives the water shape. I don't know, if, I don't know what you think about that, but I think that's amazing and that's cool and the metallic properties give it all sorts of essential qualities and then take your dog saliva and you take the hair and you take the dust particles right so now you take air you take water you take your hand you take the bowl and depending on ph levels on temperature on atmospheric pressure and of course 
molecular polarity, and you take it all, and you take your hands, and you, with all of the air, and here in the water, with the shape of the bowl, and you put it in, it's like, oh, the glory of God, <laughs> right? The world is charged with the grandeur of God. Have you ever thought about a dog food bowl with water this way? I hope you never think about it the same way again. <laughs> what does it look like for you and for me to not practice familiarity, because that will breed contempt, but to practice unfamiliarity, to take all the glorious wonder of God's creation and say, I want to see that anew, to take a relationship where maybe familiarity has bred contempt and say, I want to discover you anew, Maybe that's your bride, maybe that's your spouse, maybe that's your child or your sibling or a friend. Kids get wonder. Do we? Do you? The second thing about kids is that kids get faith. Not like faith as a postulation or as a doctrination, although Believing right things is important, but more often than times when the Bible talks about faith, it's a, it's a verb, it's an action, it's less of a postulation, and it's more of a posture that wants to lean in and experience adventure. Jesus talks about this kind of faith also in Luke 18, just a little bit before, where he's telling the story about how we should pray. And he wraps the story by saying this, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find Faith on the earth. And what kind of faith is he looking for exactly? Someone that just has all the right answers? Someone that just knows the Bible inside and out? Well, I think that's important. Or is it someone that's willing to move faith into a place of action and a place of adventure? About maybe now six, seven years ago, as a family, we went to Disneyland out in Southern California. And so our girls were considerably younger. The two older we knew would be of, of um, full height and could ride all the rides, but we were worried about our youngest, Hadley, the force. She is the most spirited one in all of the best of ways. And we knew that she probably wasn't going to be able to ride the fastest rides, which she wanted to do because her big sisters were doing it, and she has that thrill-seeking sense of adventure, too. So we got online months before we got out there, and we just said, all right, uh, what for particularly the fastest roller coaster, which out there at their park there, it was called the California Screaming Ride. It was wooden, and it had loops, and it was really fun, and you had to be 48 inches. Guess how tall Hadley was? 47, barely with thick soles and really thick socks. And we're measuring her, like, like periodically, as we're preparing for this trip. And she's getting more and more frustrated. She wants, understandably, she wants to ride this with her sisters. She wants to experience the thrill. We get out there, we're staying with my parents. And she says, Dad, will you measure me again? I go, yes, Hadley, but not a lot can happen in two weeks. She goes, I don't care, measure me. So we go out in the garage, we take the level, we take blue tape, and we take a pencil and, and a tape measure, the whole thing, measure her, she's nowhere close. She says, Dad, do it again. So I do it again, tape measure, and I'm like, no, we're close. I'm so happy. She's just, she's just you know, completely upset, and we're thinking this could ruin the, the, whole, the whole day, the whole trip right here. And then she goes, but Dad, I have an idea. I'm like, okay. She goes, 
let's pray. I'm like, oh, good grief. <laughs> I'm like, this is the last thing I want to do. And then her sisters pipe in. They're like, yeah, Dad, we can pray. Isn't all things possible to those who believe? I'm like, yes, it is. Yes, it is. So let's pray. I'll tell you what, Hadley. I'll pray first. You pray second. She goes, good. So here's what my prayer sounded like. It was the safest, most measured, careful, cautious, lawyer-approved prayer ever. It sounded like this. It was like, dear God, I just thank you that you have, um, you have ordained our bodies to grow in due time. I thank you, God, for Disneyland and that they care about my child's safety. You know, I'm just like, I'm covering all the bases so I don't have to apologize for God later. And then Hadley goes. And she had this, the cutest little accent when she was young. It just sounded like this. Dear God, I ask you for just one thing and one thing only. Please make me 48 inches. And I'm like, oh no, this is. And so we tuck her in. She wakes up the next morning. I'm hoping she's forgotten her prayer. Of course she hasn't. Dad, measure me. Okay, okay, honey. Take her out in the garage. You know, got the level, got the tape measure, got the blue tape, got the pencil. Would you believe it? 48 inches. I am not kidding you. I, I do it again. 48 inches. I'm not mechanical. I'm surely I'm doing something wrong. So I call my wife. Would you come out here? She gets tape measure. She gets levels. She gets pencil. 48 inches. Hadley's doing the happy dance. I'm like, honey, honey, wait, 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 wait. We're going to let Disneyland make this decision. So we get there. We're in front of California screaming. Uh, and, and we bring over a supervisor from Disneyland. Will you please check to make sure our daughter is of adequate height? And she pulls her up to the, the bar. It says 48 inches right there. And she kind of has to duck a little bit. Like she's, she's there. And she goes, you're fine. Should we go, really? She goes, yeah. And we go and we write it twice. And as she's about to get on for the first time, we grab this picture. <laughs> and it was a blast. And the whole day was terrific. And we said, let's go back. Later that afternoon, let's go back to California screaming. And we're running up to the line when a Disneyland employee stops us and says, oh, I'm so sorry, but honey, I think you're too short. And we go, oh, no, no, we've, we've checked. We've checked it all out. She goes, no, well, we'll need to check again. Well, really? Yeah. So we put her up under the 48-inch bar. She doesn't fit. Can you believe that? Here's a picture of her um, underneath the 48. She's kind of mocking it now. That I think we, we took it later. I think she's actually maybe on her knees there. But how, how, where do you file, file that one? Where do, you, where do you place that? How does someone grow to 48 and then drop back down to 47 just so they can ride a roller coaster? Well, did you know that all of us are taller in the morning and shorter by the end of the day. Why? Because of gravitational pull. Presses and compresses and condenses our bones and our ligaments and does all of that that we shrink throughout the day. So I ask you, was this the movement and intervention of God so my daughter could ride California screaming twice? Or is this, this just the natural happenstance of human development? What do you think? I think yes. 
I think yes. Can God stretch you? <laughs> Absolutely. Can he intervene? Change around the biological and uh, the natural orders of the world? Yes. Does God move in natural ways? Yes. Supernatural ways or super space natural ways? Yes, yes, and yes. I love how Albert Einstein once put it. He said, you know, there are two ways to view and experience this world. One way is as if though nothing in this life is a miracle. And the other is as if though everything in this life is a miracle. So what are you? How do you view this life in which we've been given? Would you put yourself out there and pray those big prayers? Do you get faith like a child? Dallas Willard, the philosopher and author, once wrote about faith this way. He says, it's like you're climbing up to the tallest tree and you're scooching out over the, the highest branch all the way to the end and then you take a saw and you saw between you and the, the, the trunk. And it's faith that knows that either you don't fall or that you're caught. He goes, that's the kind of faith. Maybe not foolish, but maybe way more than what we give God credit for. The Son of Man will return one day and I'll be asking a question. Will I find faith on this earth? The faith of a child. The third observation about kids is that they get love. They just get love differently. They're just this beautiful quality. Unless they've experienced undue harm or trauma there is this natural penchant for connection. And I shared two weeks ago at how um, actually therapists and researchers are finding, it's a, it's a developed theory which says this, that at our core, we were made as human beings for connection, not survival. And it's when we don't experience what therapists describe as secure attachment that we actually live our lives and fight or flight or freeze or feign and do all of those things. But you and I, at our core, we long for relationship and for connection. And kids just get this. And for our oldest daughter, whom we had the absolute joy to adopt from China when she was 10 and a half months old, we were trained up in knowing what abandonment does in the life of a child and a whole host of experiences that someone going through that would experience and live out of, not experiencing that secure attachment. So I got to tell you, I'll never forget the day that my daughter Mia told me that she loved me for the first time. My wife will never forget the day when Mia took a bottle from her for the very first time. I'll never forget the day when she was on my lap and I had her all to myself, but her little sisters were crawling over and were trying to climb onto my lap to join her, and she just went, intruder, intruder, intruder. <laughs> and now that she's 15 and a teenager, when I go to show her affection, she goes, intruder, intruder, <laughs> intruder. So I'm holding on to some things, trusting and knowing what's deep in her heart. One of the ways she expresses herself is through uh, writing and drawing. This might surprise you, but there are a lot of whiteboards in our home. <laughs> and she would leave me little notes and pictures when she was little. And I wanna show you uh, two of them. Here's one. She writes at the top, and you see that okay? 
family picture by Mia. And you see there on her, uh, on our left, beautiful mom, handsome dad. She's a little disparaging to her sisters. To the far left, she just wrote Hadley the Critter. <laughs> and then to the far right, bookworm Brianna. But I want you to see where she places herself. Right in the middle. Right in the center. I can't tell you how much that means. Many of us in our lives, we have seen ourselves on the outside, on the fringes. What does it, what does it look like for all of us to see ourselves in the heart of God's affection, right in the middle? I want to show you the second little whiteboard drawing. This is right above it. Where thou, this is just between us. This is a conversation between daddy and daughter. And there's Mia to the left. She wrote me. And she's saying, I love you, daddy. And then there's me to the right. She wrote you. And there's me responding, I love you too. And then she goes, you are beloved, darling, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> right? It's a yada, yada, yada. I know, dad, you tell me all the time. Did you know that this is how the scriptures talk about the love of God, God who simply is love, that at the core of all existence, there is a living God as Father, Son, Holy Spirit who exists in love. And the invitation that you and I have is to understand ourselves as his children. See how great the love of the Father is, the scriptures write. How great the love of the Father that has been bestowed on us, a different translation, that has been lavished upon us. Why? Because we are the children of God. The author, John, goes on to write, Beloved, cherished ones, chosen ones, pursued ones. Do you know where you stand in my heart? Right in the center. At the epicenter. I long for that kind of secure attachment with you. I want to just bring that picture back up with Mia right in the center. It's a picture of you and I living right at the center of God's deep heart. No matter where you've gone, no matter what you've done, no matter the mistakes you've made, by the life, death, and resurrection, and ultimately the return of Jesus, we are held firm and secure, and all we have to do is receive it. Say yes to it. Because his great wonders and his love is everlasting, the scriptures say. The song, Joy to the World. You know that little refrain? And the wonders of his love. Will you sit and wonder and revel in his, in his love? The wonders of his love the wonders of his love.
go ahead and stand to our feet this morning.
Amen.
Born as the king. Born as the king of Israel. We have a candle lit here. This is called the Jesus candle. And it's lit to remind us of two comings of Jesus. The one is that he was born as a baby. Just think about that for a moment. He was born as a baby and, and came into the world and we walked with him and we talked to him and we listened to him and he laid his life down on a cross and he abandoned the grave and he ascended up into the heavenly realm where we await his second coming. The first coming is what we celebrate for Christmas. The second coming is that one day he will return and make all things new. We call that Advent, by the way. We're in a season of Advent. And Advent simply from the Latin just means coming. Not one, but two. And we light the candle to say that my heart is anticipating. It wants to revel in it. It wants to wait for it. It wants to sit, my heart does, in the mystery of all that God would have for us in this season and the one to come. And the most beautiful thing is that this candle, this light, never goes out. That Jesus is the light of the world, shown into great darkness, and the light has overcome the darkness that Jesus is the Lord over all creation and the source of our joy and the one who dumbfounds us in wonder. And so as we wrap our service here together, I just want to, I want to give us two, maybe three actually, practices that we're going to do together. And the first is we're going to do a congregational reading from Psalm 136. Some of us might have grown up in a um, more liturgical setting, a little bit more of a traditional setting. We did this maybe every Sunday where the leader on stage would read a short refrain and then everyone else replies with a refrain. And so let's just put the first, this is from Psalm 136. We're gonna go about nine verses, but here's how it will feel. I'll say, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And we all say, his love endures forever. And good news for you, that's all you need to say throughout this whole thing. His love endures forever. Okay, but here's what I want to ask of us. Let's be reverent through this because we live in, in holy fear of a living God and all that he's done. And let's get a little bit rowdy too. Why? Because Jesus said, if you want to receive the kingdom of God, you, you have to be like a what? Like a child. So how would a child enter into a reading like this? Maybe with a little less reverence. We want to maintain that. But we want to get a little rowdy. We want to revel in it. We want to be the kinds of people that get wonder, that get faith, that get love. So as we read, I want to just get a little louder, a little wilder, a little rowdier as a way of getting a little beyond ourselves. Can we do it? Can we do it? All right. Let's go. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love To him who alone does great wonders. Who by his understanding made the heavens. Who spread out the earth upon the waters. Let's go, let's go. Who made the great lights. The sun to govern the day. 
the moon and stars to govern the night. His love endures forever. Well done. Now two more things for us. One is, think about this for a moment. Jesus, the Bible describes as the Lord of all creation. So when he was there before the foundations of the world began, as Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and they're breathing all existence into play. Think about how cool it was that when Jesus said, now, thousands and thousands of years later, my people are gonna make declaration that they are mine and that I am theirs. They're gonna literally remember and declare out loud that they are gonna receive the life of me, the death of me, and the resurrection of me. Now, how do I want them to make that public declaration? Well, I got water. I got a tank. I've got sensory receptors that I have, that I have bestowed into people's bodies. He has charged the world with his grandeur. So imagine a little dog bowl with water and what that did for my daughter. Now imagine a whole tank full and going all in. That's called baptism. And what I want to encourage any of us who, is, who have never given that public declaration that I receive his life for mine, all my wayward ways, all of the, 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 the wrong turns, everything, past, present, future, I'm all going down into the water saying I've been washed clean by the blood of Jesus and I'm going to be raised to a new life. By the very power that raised Jesus from the dead, I'm going to jump in that water. I want to let everyone know. And if you've not yet done that, but you're feeling this burgeoning in your heart, I just want to encourage you. Online community, post in the chat. You want to get baptized, we'll come around you. Speedway campus, go down to, to the tank. Here on the Lenexa campus, out in the commons. There's deacons with, with red shirts who would receive you, come alongside you, and lead you in to the ultimate shimmy shake of heaven, people. So, and, and here's what's going to happen. All of heaven will declare We'll rejoice, we'll celebrate with you, and so will all of, uh, all of us. Is that right? All of us? Right? Okay. So um, we're going to sing one more song. And if you're feeling that back, you can do it during the song, you can do it after the song, you can do it whenever. I just want to say, don't miss the moment. Don't take yourself so seriously. Take Jesus seriously. But maybe, what does it look like for you today to practice that faith? Now, there's one more thing for all of us. For all of us. I can't just let you go with a talk on being like kids without asking you to get kiddish, can I? I can't just say get wonder. I can't just say get, get faith, get love without also saying there's one thing that kids do better than you and I. We jump in, kids do. Kids see a water bowl very differently than adults see a water bowl. We see a water bowl and go, my gosh, when's the last time that's been cleaned? <laughs> kids see a water bowl and they think cannonball is what they see. So here's what I want to ask. Here, here's like the awkward part of the service. We have dog food bowls all across the stage. And I want to ask you, as a sign that you want to do this Advent season differently, as a physical gesture of declaring, I don't want to adult my way into this, into this season. 
I don't want to be stressed. I don't want to be anxious. I don't want to be in arguments. I want to sit back and revel in the wonder of God. I want to get kiddish and experience all of God's grandeur anew. I want to practice unfamiliarity. And if that's you, I just want to ask you that during this last song, come on down. Come on down and dip your hands in the water and, and experience maybe the grandeur of God, experience the Spirit of God tugging you in a different way. This is just a physical gesture of an inward reality. Is it holy water? Well, I want to be very respectful of other faith traditions to say in that regard, it's not. However, 556 million water molecules for every one hydrogen ion tilted at like 105 degrees, I would just say that's pretty dang holy as well. So, during the song, who's gonna come down? Who's gonna do it? I just need like one person say I'm in, and then I need the second person, and then when we have two, then we have a party, right? Okay, so how about up there in like the balcony? Who's coming down? All right, very back row, all right? So let's just kinda like not take ourselves so seriously, and I want you, and here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to just like go, ooh, right? I want you to get in there and splash, right? I want you to go for it and get Kiddish as a sign of saying, God, I want all that you have for me. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, will you come and let's sing.
Uh, see your mercy and grace in our lives each and every day, Lord, as we wake up. Uh, we'd be inspired. We'd be a men and women of God that would be able to be getting to see your purpose unfold in our lives. We'd be able to live that out. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless y'all. Have a great rest of the day. We'll see you next week. <laughs>